0: The concept of progress acts as a protective mechanism to shield us from the terrors of the future. From the collected sayings of Muad'Dib by the Princess Irulan. Welcome back everybody to Alfred Dude with Rory Foy I'm Rory Foy Fred Dude. <laughs> with me as always are the story boys, Andy and Austin. Yeah. Let's, hello. Let them chime on in. Well, I'm I can't chime yet. I don't have enough, you know. I don't have enough source material to chime sure your special bar is not done charging no <laughs> well I gotta, no I, I i can chime I, I actually uh we we were uh, we stepped away for a little bit we came back we started recording this episode and i recharged my special meter by eating three caramels oh and... okay uh did you were you able to watch the dune movie yet <laughs> no i haven't seen the dude movie yet <laughs> i have not either i also have not seen the Dune movie yet Damn do you it. think do you think it's demeaning to make caramels in the shape of a salt lick that they're like a square like we feed horses? <laughs> why? Do, what shape should they be in their heart of I, hearts? I don't know, and that's why I'm asking. But it, it <laughs> feels it feels like they're like eat your sugar, you little <laughs> eat, eat get <laughs> you your horse. little sugar snack, you, you horse, <laughs> you donkey. <laughs> Well, it also seems demeaning to the caramel, which is sort of a, a flowy, gooey substance to be like, no, you're cute. You're, you're a cube. Have we considered that horses love caramel and that we're making the salt licks to look like caramels? I think that's pre- pretty likely. I mean, a, ca- a caramel is only sugar, right? As far as I know, it's... Yeah, yeah. And, some, and some, what, butter? Yeah. Is it like sugar and butter? Is that what it yeah. is? And salt. Wow. If you're thinking of salted caramel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah that's like, what I'm saying. Yeah, but if it, if the name needs to, like, if there's a special name for the one with salt, then can we can we agree that a caramel doesn't have salt by the word caramel? Uh, no. Okay. I'm right, going to be we're difficult we're, tonight. Guess, My new I persona is that I'm going to be difficult. <laughs> new, My <huh>? new persona. <laughs> it's a bold new experiment for me. <laughs> My new persona is that I'm... I'm, I'm warm in my tum-tum after having eaten three caramels, and I'm ready to listen to a story. About as warm as the desert planet of Arrakis. Yeah. Because last week, last week, we learned some new names for our best little boy, and he's now officially named Paul Muad'Dib Atreides U- 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 Usul. All, he's got too many names, and uh, I guess I'm proud no, of no, him. No, no, no. He's got three. It's not too many. It's not too many. It's just three: Paul Atreides, Paul Muadib, and Uswal. and his screen name online, which is Raven Blaster. Muadib sixty nine. <laughs> oh, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wouldn't be. Well, he's horny too, but I think he might be. I think he might be Muadib four twenty. I think he's a little more into spice. Oh, than sure, fun. sure, mm-hmm. blaze it, yeah, <laughs> blaze it, four twenty blaze. With it. like the lowercase and uppercase X's on either side of the name oh like sure like X, 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 X muadeb 420 xxx X, X. you know what i'm talking about so rory it's uh it's it's chapters 34 and 35 tonight and it looks like they're kind of on the longer side so i think i think we better let you take care of it or take care of us yeah this is going to be an interesting episode this is there is going to be and i think i think i'm just going to say it now so that everybody's prepared a pretty hard shift uh, last week we dealt with paul uh, and Jessica joining the Fremen, and we're going to start at the sort of culmination. Of the uh, uh, Last week, poor Jameis met his maker, and yes. uh, so this uh, chapter 34 is going to be funeral rites for the most part, and some and some navel gazing, and then we're going to go elsewhere. Naval gazing? That's ocean power. I stop at you. Okay. <laughs> Now I also want to give a, give a heads up. So for listeners, if you remember, we covered last episode, we basically got through the end of what the movie covers. That's right. And so from here on out, this is Dune 2 spoilers, baby. That's right. Yeah. We're we're into Dune Two. I mean, we're still in the book Dune, but you know, it's the movie Dune. We're in two. book two as well. The movie but two. we're we're gonna be we're gonna be covering what the movie two. Almost definitely covers, unless they go <laughs> go go somewhere new. It's really simple, you guys. The book Dune has three books in it. The first book was called Dune. We're in book two, but the second of the Dune movies, of which there will be two, covers parts of book two and all of book three. It's really it's, fucking simple. It's I like wish the you United just... Kingdom of books. <laughs> <laughs> it's Love a country it. and it's also five countries. <laughs> we're a country and we're five countries. Get on, get on board, get out of the way. <laughs> uh, so, uh, Chaney is going to tell Paul he gets first dibs on some of Jameis's water because of all the sweating he did in the knife fight. You get, you get your him. water back, yeah, yeah. You get your water back. That's only fair. Sure, right? an even trade. <laughs> Again, you're not really supposed to just like fight. They're not a they're not a savage culture. This guy, this guy was a little out of line. This guy was right. obsessed with vengeance and honor. Well, he honor. was horny for fighting too. His, yeah. And as we've seen, you know, previously, uh, vengeance and honor are huge parts of this book, and they almost never pay off. <laughs> it's al- It always is better to just like do some do some drug tamales with your girlfriend and just kick it. <laughs> And look into infinity. Take off your shoes, put your feet into the sand, and just
1: Live, check out love. some
0: other realities. <laughs> <laughs> Paul kind of tries to double down on this honor on this honor ritual. Is like, I, I just killed a guy now. I gotta like drink him. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, they're like, no, no, no. Everything here is just and fair. And sometimes it doesn't feel good, but like. He knew, he knew what he was signing up for when he challenged you to an honor, an honor fight to the death, right? That like, this is on him. You get some water. This is, a, this is the way. This is the way. Uh, then we get into, this is going to be, uh, I don't know. On one hand, it's kind of a literary deep cut. On the other hand, it it has sort of broken into pop culture in, in, in ways. Um, so we'll just, we'll just see what happens, I guess. okay. Uh, the, re- <laughs> The rest of this chapter is gonna be the things they carried. Really? Yeah. So, um, so Frank Herbert will list for about a page all of the things that Jameis had in his possession. So prior to his funeral rites, uh, his possessions are divvied up among among the group. Uh, he Stillgar will get first dibs on something he wants, and then he will get second dibs on like stuff the tribe needs, and then everybody gets to pick the corpse. So they're doing like uh, a fantasy football draft of all of his shit. <laughs> yeah. And uh and so it's interesting though. So like not everybody gets the shit. The friends, the friends of Jameis get his shit. You got to get up at the funeral, tell a story about why you're friends, and then you get to pick the thing you want. The the friendman. No. <laughs> no sir. <laughs> You've taken, you know, oh no we've crossed up the line we didn't know the line was here and it's been crossed <laughs> oh, we broke him finally <laughs> I've been railing against your pun crimes <laughs> for months and it has done nothing and I think we should just censor the joke so he gets no points from anybody no. <laughs> I, think, I think it's a red card <laughs> oh nice That'll teach him. I've received many compliments from listeners. You have not. (laughs) You for sure have not. Tens of compliments. We love the way you rhyme words and call it a joke. (sighs) (sighs) So Paul, Paul, uh, very awkwardly uh, gives a little, gives a little send off to Jameis. He He does like a type five. Well, no, he like he doesn't know the guy, but he's also like, I just killed the man. I can't just like do nothing, right? Mm-hmm. He, but he does cry during during his eulogy. Okay, uh, I'm just imagining with the brick wall at the improv club that he's yeah, just standing up but nobody told you to imagine that. I know, but it's <laughs> this We're is your own imagined way. universe. <laughs> <laughs> just amazed just sobbing into a microphone with the with the Seinfeld slap bass. So James died. <laughs> You see this? Did you hear about this? <laughs> you hear about this? <laughs> <laughs> awkward part: I killed him. <laughs> uh, so as it turns out, uh, so Paul and Jessica are both just kind of weepy motherfuckers who never thought much about it. But obviously, the Fremen have learned not to so uh, unceremoniously spill their water all over the place. Right. Uh, but oh, in the context, right. in the context of a funeral, crying is still kind of like. A bit, it's a big deal now. It's like, this is, normally crying is like, come on, dude, we drink that. That's our food. Uh, and mm-hmm, we're saving mm-hmm. it to turn our planet into, tre- into, into a planet of trees, so maybe don't. Uh, but at a funeral, Fremen are pretty, pretty yoked to see Paul cry over him. You can have four tears as a treat. No, spill, <laughs> it. Spending, your, spending your water for the dead is an acceptable use yeah, at con- a yeah. funeral. Yeah. Uh, of course, it's a little undercut by then Paul taking a water bottle back from James's corpse. Uh, <laughs> Paul, who's, I, I guess his backpack's full from the the tent and the shovel and whatnot from a few weeks past. Oh, yeah, he did find that shovel. Uh, so he's going to ask Cheney to hold on to this water bottle. And this is, this is a bit of a no-no in Fremen culture. To, oh. th- this girl he's trying to fuck, he's like, hold on to this water. And she's like, excuse me? like we're not we're not together like that. Oh. Hold um hold your water. This is this is some kind of you, you know it's bordering on prostitution, I guess. Whoa. It's not okay. Well, it's not called that. It's not but like giving giving all this water to a girl that you're clearly trying to fuck is is gauche. Yeah. Huh? And Stilgar, Stogar takes him under his wing. Javier Bardem walks off and is like, this is not, this is not the way, my guy. You got to play it cool. You can't just be giving chicks a bunch of water. <laughs> <laughs> just give anybody your water. Stillgar, <laughs> says, so, yeah, fucking Stilgar, man. My guy. Yeah. Okay. You know, I, I'm just trying to imagine the moment when somebody told Frank Herbert was like, you know, Frank, I heard the, uh, the human body is 70% water. <laughs> Really? And it, <laughs> That's gonna be in the biopic. Yeah, right. So uh, this whole time, and I, I suppose this is unfair because we're abridging o- over um, chapters from a past week. Uh, they're in the C H, but they're they're kind of working their way into the main cavern. They're like in these tunnels, kind of up to this point. So they get to they get to the camp proper where there's, you know, normal people and houses and shit, not houses, but whatever they've got in there. Mm-hmm. And they also see a big ass fucking lake. What? Whoa. Whoa. Uh, this is just a straight up man-made lake that they've been they've been stockpiling for years and years in order to help terraform Dune. Right, right. So then all of James's unclaimed water is just dumped in the lake and, you know, the lake grows. Wow. Now, is this something only known to the CH, or is this like all Fremen know about, or they have their own lakes or, or anything? I th- I think there's a reasonable assumption that all Fremen have their own lakes, only because Liet Kynes was not the leader of Stogar's CH. and so there's a reasonable assumption that everybody's kind of on the same page. Got it. Okay. But huh, we have not seen any other lakes, and we do not know that there are other lakes. Right. They will just have like their... Reservoirs, they're sort of private reservoirs. I think that's a reasonable assumption. Uh, My water's all tied up in people right now. (laughs) (laughs) People futures. It's not very liquid. Hmm. Liquid assets. There it is. (laughs) (laughs) So, uh, so when Paul was picking clean Jameis's corpse, Jameis had a a which I think is a real instrument. Andy. Ah. But it's definitely, the, it's definitely the guitar of the Dune world. Sure, sure. That's, I mean, what, that's what Gurney Halleck shreds on. Oh, okay. So apparently he's taught Paul to shred. And, <laughs> and <laughs> Paul's like, can I have that ball set? And they're like, yeah, man, sure. Do you, I guess. <laughs> because this is a fun moment. Uh, so he's been, he's been hanging with Cheney. Uh, she asks him to tell her about Caladan. Uh, it has come up when, when Paul cried, Stilgar's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? And <laughs> to Jessica, this before. and Jessica's like, we're from a planet. That's all water, bro. It's like no big deal to us. We cry all the time. It's just, it's just the <laughs> way we are. So then, so then now the fremen are like, waterfalls in the sky, you oceans of like, they're just, everybody's like kind of whispering about Caladan, this weird planet they're from. Hmm. And Chaney's like, tell me about Kalanan. Tell me about all that fun water over there. You're just ruined with water over there. (laughs) And Paul's like... (laughs) I got a better idea for you, babe. Skiddly, diddly, 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 wow, Oh, fuck. <laughs> I sing the song of Caledon <laughs> with water everywhere. And I'm proud to be a Caledon where at least I know I'm free. <laughs> Paul is officially the white boy at the party who breaks out a guitar. Yes. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes. Uh, now, Jessica. Uh, Jessica sees Paul shredding it, and and uh, is like, "I'm gonna have to talk to this guy about fremen women. I'm gonna have to get this guy straight on. Just like you can't be just be dragging your dick through the entire sieg. You gotta pick and choose your battles. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna acquire too much pussy. <laughs> this is too hot for one man. You can't just you can't just play the guitar to party like that. I'm confiscating your set. <laughs> Until you know how to wield it responsibly. And I love that Frank Herbert thinks that that guy's cool. (laughs) (laughs) I bet Frank Herbert always saw the guy with the guitar and was like, I should have brought my guitar. I'm so stupid. I'm (laughs) sure he's getting late tonight. (laughs) Or he's like really jealous that, you know, they're playing guitar and not his weird instrument that he invented that only he knows how to shred on. (laughs) For some reason it ruins parties. Well I'll show them. <laughs> uh I did look it up. The Balaset is a Dune original instrument, but it, it it has a lot in common with the Zether. Yeah. That's what they used in the in the David Lynch movie, is something uh, gotcha. Something like that. Um, but I don't know that it's described closely enough to acoustically for like forensically identify which acoustic <laughs> instrument it's closest to. Right. Right. Yeah. I guess we didn't name Chapter 34, did we? we could, what do we want to call it? I'm pretty sure it's going to be called Liquid Assets. <laughs> <laughs> See? Now there's a good one. That's what we've been waiting for. It's very good. Oh, can you say that? Sorry, can you say that again? Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> two hours into recording, it paid off, Austin. <laughs> yeah, okay. No, that's good. <laughs> that's still doing it for me. <laughs> I got there. All right, chapter thirty-five. Smash cut off of Arrakis. We are going to Gati Prime. What? The uh, the home planet of the Harkonnens. Oh. Oh. Uh, we're gonna do we're gonna do royalty shit this week or this this chapter in case in case you might have forgotten this is a book about royalty. Uh, here we are uh, hanging out with Count Fenring and Lady Fenring and the Harkonnens. Uh, All right. They're there to see. F- Fade Ratha perform his 100th slave gladiator uh, kill on his 17th birthday. Oh, wow. He's a real up and comer. Uh, Yeah. And this and uh, the Harkonnens always program the slaves with some sort of safe word that prevents them from ever winning. So that's cool. Oh, wow. That's bad. Sporting of them. (laughs) Exactly. Now, did the Baron go back to his home planet? Did he die on the way back to his home planet like Poochie? (laughs) <laughs> or is he still on dude? <laughs> right, so in the book, he's on Arrakis. Well, this is the book, but like last we see him, he's literally on Arrakis. Uh, he, he's landed on the castle and goes into Jessica's bedroom, right? Oh. Um, mm-hmm. Then the next time we see him, it would appear he's on some kind of space station or spaceship, uh, not in the main castle, but that's not explicit. So now we're here on Gaty Prime, and I guess this is the place where the Baron hangs mostly. Like, because remember, he has, he has put proxies in, in charge of Arrakis in the past. Gotcha. Okay. okay. He's sort of done the mucking that he wants to do. He thinks Paul's dead, right? Still thinks yeah. Paul's dead? Yeah. Um, well, I'm just like I that fun Beatles thing. I was just, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Those great Beatles memes.
1: Uh, <laughs> from the 60s.
0: Um, <laughs> I'm only into 60s memes. Wait, was Frank Herbert like a beetle, he- a beetle head? Probably. I probably, this is sort of some Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds kind of era. I bet everybody was a beetle head. are yeah. Bigger than Jesus. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Bigger than Buddha. No, 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 no. <laughs> you can't say that, dude. <laughs> you can't say that here. Okay. Okay. So, so we're on Fancy Planet. Yeah, the Baron and the Count and the Countess have some sort of witty repartee. The Count's like, the Emperor doesn't like the way you bossed around his Sardaukar. And the Baron's like, well, they're not the Emperor, they're the Sardaukar. They're different, and they had to go. I'm not bossing the Emperor around. <laughs> yeah. How is this the same? <laughs> and and are we watching... So are they watching this gladiatorial match from... Yep, they're, yeah, it, it, it's, I think it's... I, I, you might call it a... I mean, a massacre, basically. Well, no, I was trying to think of the literary term and it's, it's, it's not coming to me. Fade Rotha fighting this guy cruelly and who never stands a chance is, is an obvious comparison to Paul's fight with, with Jameis. Oh, right. Because we just Even saw though that Paul wasn't being cruel, but the Fremen, like the displays of, uh, uh, of competence were seen as cruelty, and the right. lack of, of willing to kill were seen, again, a, a, as taunting. And, and here is somebody actually being cruel and taunting who gotcha. uh, fighting an opponent who stands no chance fade and fade is kind of this sort of shadow version of Paul, right? Who could have been a Harkon in a different world. Sure. Right. And they're apparently of very similar ages 17. And I, mm. I think we've got Paul clocked at 15 at the moment. There's a time skip coming up, but I don't think we have oh. hit it. Oh. So what, so what happens in the rest of this chapter? Mostly nothing, but we're going to go through a long, it's going to, it's all, it's all just evil people hanging out. Uh, (laughs) Okay, so the Baron, the Count tells the Baron that uh, there's like way more Fremen than he thought there were. And that's not really well established in the book that he, we we know that he's underestimating the Fremen in competence, but not that he's underestimating them in numbers, as far as I know. Uh, Um, So now, now we know that too. Uh, Count Fenring tells uh, Baron Harkonnen that they want access to his money—not like the money, but like the 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 books, mm-hmm. the Dune novels. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because the emperor. So, um, gosh, I am I'm, I'm having a hard time not bringing up the movie in the context of some things that are much better done in the movie than the book that we've read. Interesting. Um, that that will come up later. That that are not like but they're either subtextual or brought up later that I think the movie aptly brings in earlier. I think in the book, this whole plot to kill Duke Leto between the emperor and the baron is a little mustache twirly, right? It seems kind of evil for the sake of evil. And in uh, Villanueva's Villanueva's movie, is something that is better established is that the Atreides, through their, basically their discipline, their location, and their commitment to, like, honor and fairness, has given them quite a bit of power in the great houses. This uh, this group that is all told, like, united, right, in a union, mm-hmm. possibly more powerful than the emperor, but the emperor holds the most singular power. But, uh, so then, specifically the Atreides and then the Harkonnens through their control over Arrakis for for so long, Uh, they've accumulated quite a bit of money, and the Atreides have like power and prestige and reputation. Both of these houses have gotten out of hand, and the emperor has pitted them against each other intentionally and thrown in with the one he thought was weaker in order for them to destroy one another. So he has no love for the Harkonnens either. Um, And in the book, it kind of feels like he's picking sides, right? Right. Yeah. Feels very much like he's pro Harkonnen. So that is something. If you go out and watch the movie today, you would have that context. That sort of. I see. I think. I think. I think a, the the high level political intrigue uh, is both more approachable and better explained in the in the movie. It's one of the few. Uh, yeah. The movie I really liked, and I don't want to say I'm one of the few things that I thought was better, like without context. But this the all the castle intrigue in the book. It feels like. You're supposed to care about characters you haven't met yet, right? Yeah. Sure. And I think the movie, if, if it doesn't make you care about them, it explains what's going on just a little bit better. Interesting. Yeah. Cool. I'm stoked for it. All right. Is there anything actionable that occurs in this? No, there's, no but there's quite a <laughs> bit more story. There's quite a bit more chapter to get through. Okay. Well, let's blast it. The Baron mentions uh, his plans to turn Arrakis into his own prison planet. So he can have his own Sardaukar, his own Seleucus Secundi. Ah. Uh, uh, fun. <laughs> <laughs> the Count has a sort of observation that I think we just have to take their word for it. Uh, remember that supposedly in the world of Dune, Thufir Hawat is uh, known across the cosmos as the greatest Mantat to ever live. So Wow. <laughs> really? That guy? So the... That old perv? <laughs> <laughs> That's the, that's what people think. So the count is like, this guy sounds way too smart for his own. They're like, this is some Howat shit, and thinks that the Baron has Thufir Hawat. Oh, which was which is a no no. You can't just like steal a guy. And he does have Thufir Hawat. But he kind of does. does. Have Howat, but he does kind of. <laughs> and he did just steal a guy. Uh, so so the Count asks him like, do you got do you have a Thufir Hawat? Do you got a Howat? And the Baron's like, yeah, dog. Uh I needed a mentat. Mine mine ate a bunch of gas. What are you gonna do? <laughs> <laughs> so hungry for gas. He just gobbled up. <laughs> so the count the count tells him to kill Howat, basically, because this was you know, this is this is the most powerful mentat with a with a sworn loyalty to the Atreides, who the Emperor and the Harkonnens conspired to destroy all of. And he's like, mm-hmm. this guy's gotta go, bro. And the Baron's like, I don't know, though. He does good man. He's <laughs> so good. <laughs> <laughs> but then I but then I wouldn't have one. Yeah. I don't understand what you're. What the fuck you I, I wouldn't have one. There's only one of them left. He's the only thing I want, and I want him. <laughs> I want him uh. now, Daddy. <laughs> <laughs> so the sort of narrative lens will shift down to fade in the arena, just... Dogging on this guy on this gladiator, for some reason we learned that Fade has also poisoned his knife because like I guess there's no reason if the, if the fight's not going to be fair, it may as well not be really fair right mm mm-hmm. yeah um i so i guess I guess what comes up so so part of this like conditioning normally, what fade does is fight a guy who's just like stoned or drunk or something who can't really stand very good, but they want to put on a good show it's his hundredth fight they've got the count and the countess here, so they've they're letting a sober man fight who has a, you know, Manchurian candidate trigger word in his brain. So the gladiators yeah. winning, and Fade Rotha makes him uh, stop, and then ices him. Pineapple. Oh shit. <laughs> and uh, Fade takes his head, and and apparently this was all sort of this elaborate show, which seems like a kind of um, I don't know, man is the most dangerous game. This sort of rich man who stacked the deck against you know, in his favor against, there's no possible way he's going to lose, but he's right. going to do it. So there is that aspect to it. I think all of this really is building up the mystique of Fade Rotha, this sort of like evil monster. Right. So it, it's in terms of sort of, yeah, building up a galactic prestige that Fade is a psychopath and a killer and yeah. all that nonsense, which is, I, mean, I, I I liked a little bit. It pays off this sort of weird... This was sort of weird, rich man, man hunter sort of vibe. Well, and I would argue man is the most dangerous game until you make the game really, really, really easy.
1: and yeah. You can't well, lose
0: the game. Also, l- let's not forget the Fade Roth in the David Lynch dune was Sting. <laughs> uh, that's right. It was Sting. It was Sting. I've never, I've never seen that movie, but I've seen photos of Sting. Yeah. Yeah. He looks like a silly one. The Fen rings sort of taken aside and uh, revealed this like plan to get in, get in on the ground floor of this brand new this brand new Harkonnen dynasty with this nasty Fade boy and a Baron who is now unchallenged in the great houses without the Atreides. Mm. So she is going to seduce this horny seventeen-year-old Fade Rotha tonight, get his baby in her belly. Then Whoa, that. Shit. And then she will do this sort of same mental conditioning to him that they do to the gladiators. And then she'll have this sort of like, she'll have this harkening in her pocket, right? Yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, The Count the count, then sort of ponders about what Fade Rotha would have been like if he had been raised as Atreides. Like with actual leadership and, and honor and all that. Hammering, I think is the right word, home this sort of. This sort of juxtaposition between Paul and Faye. Sure. Right. Uh yeah, there we go. Chapter 35. Hot damn. Now wait a minute. How old would you say the Countess feels in this book? Boy, it is unclear, but she certainly seems <laughs> of an, an illegal she... age. <laughs> 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 she seems that she's lived a rich full life. She's been lead- she's been, you know, on Arrakis as the as the proxy uh, for the Harkonnens. She's a Benny Gesserit. She knows how yeah. to write letters. She knows how to write letters. This feels this feels forties to me. Like even thirties is like I mean, well, 30s she could be kind of a boss bitch. But like you know, like a go-getter. And she does have some real go-getter attitude in this in this chapter. But if Fate is Yeah, she's uh, gonna marry Kay Laterno, this sort of situation and Yeah, I mean obviously <laughs> I think the 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 shape of the conversation around this sort of thing has changed. Uh, to a certain degree, from when this book first came out, and I think it'd be better. We can all agree it'd be better if we just imagine that it stinks. Yes, God. Well, okay, cool. So we, uh, we're 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 homing in real close on the end of book two. And uh, do you have any spoilers? Do we stay sort of irised out from Dune, or do we go back? Um, I haven't read ahead since the last time I read the book. I don't remember if we stay out gotcha. here. There is, uh, I I would say, I think a little bit more um, cosmic awareness of the moving, the comings and goings of important movers and shakers, but there's plenty of Arrakis. Good. Well, that's what we're here for. <laughs> I just need more Dunes. That's all I want. Take me back to the Dunes. I'm going to say this because I've been suffering from some insomnia lately. And one of the things that I'll do when I'm laying awake in bed, just sort of being like, "Well, say it, read Dune." It's not read Dune. It's read manga. (laughs) (laughs) And so I've kind of gone back on my like real shit boy, like cutesy romance manga shit. And it's really influenced how I've for your night uh, manga. My night manga. It's it's influenced how I've listened to this because all I want now is for is for Paul and Chaney to kiss. Or hold hands, you know? Or just share water. Or just share a water, like an indirect kiss. (laughs) (laughs) They've done some, like, face rubbings. I I don't know if the face rubbing is, like, just, like, normal in Fremen culture. It kind of comes out of nowhere, and that's why I didn't mention it. It didn't come up in conversation. (laughs) But they're hanging out, and they, like, touch faces and falls like dough. (laughs) Nice. Fucking nice. nice. uh... (laughs) All right. Well, thanks again, Rory. We're going to be back next week. wanted to say thank you so much for listening to this episode of our podcast if you want to hear more shows from us we have two more for you the infinite backlog is our extremely exciting marvel podcast where we started at 1961 and we move forward with way too much reading wham bam pow (laughs) and you get to hear almost every week rory and shane complain about how much reading it is there's so much reading it's always warlock (laughs) it comes out most saturdays Saturday Morning Tuesdays, you guys, it's the show that started it all. Uh, you can hear me, Rory and Andy, and we are on this journey most Tuesdays where we are looking through the weirdest and wildest, coolest and droolest uh, <laughs> cartoons, children's cartoons, adult cartoons from all across the spectrum of time. We're going to cover your favorite show. Maybe we're going to talk about the ones you hate. Probably. And it's a great, wonderful time. So be sure to catch that. And of course, if you enjoyed this show or any of our shows, really, and you want to support us, we do have a Patreon chock full of bonus content. Everything from videos to sound clips to even some fun art that I get to make for you once a month. Um, and you know even if you can't support us monetarily if you don't have anything to give we would just love it if you joined our discord and send us memes Um, (laughs) send memes to us all day long keep us awake all night long with your memes we love memes we consume them just ruin us with your memes (laughs) please ruin (laughs) us with your memes as always our links are in the episode description thank you oh thank you thanks everybody laters